0: This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Alberto Vitale was running Bantam Books, the world leader in paperbacks, when the Newhouse family recruited him to become the COO of Random House. In that role, and later as the CEO of one of the world's top publishing firms, Vitale oversaw huge changes in the publishing industry. In this interview with Stephen J. Coburn, publisher and executive director of Wharton Digital Press and Knowledge at Wharton, Vitali discusses the rise of digital publishing, the future of bookstores, and the globalization of copyright, among other issues.
1: Mr. Vitali, thank you so much for joining us today. Welcome. You took over as the CEO of Random House in 1989. What was your career in publishing before that, and how did that lead to your role at Random House?
2: Well, I um I bought in 1975 Bantam Books for the Agnelli family holding, you know, the owners of Fiat. And um when they decided to buy Bantam, they sent me over to to do the deal. So I got to know very well the The Bantam executives. Uh, Bantam was a very independent company, extraordinarily profitable and well run. Pioneer, uh, not a pioneer, but the leader, world leader in uh, paperbacks. And um, maybe three, four, five, six months after we bought it, I get a call and say, would you like to come and be our Chief Operating Officer because our Chief Operating Officer has decided to retire on a boat in Marathon Key, Florida at age 52. So I said, yeah, sure, why not? And that's how my career in publishing started. And and how did it lead to your role at uh, Random House? Well, um, I came in as Chief Operating Officer of, uh, of Bantam. I, um, Acquired uh, Double Day for Bertelsmann. and Double Day was made up of three pieces—you know, trade publishing, printing, and book clubs—which did fit the the picture there at, uh, at Bertelsmann. And um, first, I became uh, co-president, and then I became president, and CEO of the whole thing. And we grew Bantam and Doubleday uh, to a very substantial uh, operation. I think the difference between in sales between uh, Random House in those days and uh, Bantam Doubleday Dale was um, around 100 million, a little less, a little more, I don't remember, but around 100 million. So we were comparable. And at some point, you know, I was asked if I wanted to go on uh, Random House. And it was a very difficult decision, but um, the opportunity to go around the premier publishing house in the world really at that time, you know, it was was too too interesting, you know, to even think about it. So,
1: so here here you have this interesting situation. It's the end of the nineteen eighties. What was your assessment when you reached Random House about what kind of shape the company was in? And what was your assessment of what was going on in the publishing industry? And how did that help you shape your strategy of how to take lead Random House in that environment?
2: Well, you know, um, the reason why they asked me to go run Random House is probably because the ownership wanted it to be run better. And I will leave it at that, you know, so um I got in, you know, and I uh, took a good look at um, all the imprints, you know, and uh, and made the changes that uh, I thought needed to to be made. and you know, in publishing, um it's very difficult to to have a strategy in the academic or generally accepted the uh, meaning of the world, you know. Because the best strategy in publishing is to have books that people want to read. And and that strategy is not quantifiable and it's not, you cannot describe it, you know. You have to rely on your imprints and your editors and your publishers, you know, and your marketing people, you know, to make sure that uh, they pick books that people want to read and that they're published as well as one can publish them. And so the whole idea uh, at uh, Random House was um, let's pick the right books. Let's be very conscious of uh, cost and expenses. Let's be very efficient. Let's be very uh, author and customer-oriented, you know, and uh, things will take care uh, of itself. And they did take care of itself.
1: You were also one of the the first publishers, if I'm right, uh, to emphasize the importance of electronic rights. Uh, Yeah.
2: uh, Could you tell me a little bit about your thinking? Well, uh, yeah. I mean, actually, I was the first one in book publishing who decided that we were not going to sign any contracts unless we had digital rights. And um, I got received a lot of flack, you know. I had a few agents who refused to sell us. I said, well, if you refuse to sell us, we refuse to buy from you, you know. So uh, it didn't last very long, you know. And um, I had some flack also from, um, um, maybe in flack is the wrong word, but uh, some resistance also within the company and from other people. Uh, saying that I was too harsh and what are you going to do with the rights. I said, listen, you guys want to have a future, we get the rights. You don't want to have a future, then I don't want to have any part with the business because, you know, it's like giving away, it's like doing again what publishers did with movies, you know, that they lost that battle. They didn't even fight that battle, you know. They lost it uh, to start with. And so we decided, I believe it was 1994, that we were not going to sign any contracts unless we had uh, electronic books, right, digital rights. Uh,
1: And and, and, uh, uh, again, to round up the the discussion about uh, Random House, what was the rationale in in underlying the merger with Bertelsmann uh, in 98? And in retrospect, uh, have your expectations about that merger been fulfilled?
2: Well, um, you know, mergers happen when they happen. You know, it takes two, one who wants to merge and the other one who wants to merge, too. You know, I mean, you need—you you have to have a confluence of interests. And um, at that time, Bersman was very eager to buy a random house. Uh, in my opinion, they didn't have to because they were big enough without it. But... You know, it was their company. They made that decision, and um, and our ownership uh, felt that it was the at a time where they could redeploy their resources in a different way. So they decided to go ahead with the suggestion from Beresman. You know, to purchase Random House, and that's uh, that's what happened. Um, I would say that. Um, for a good ten years, it was a rocky situation, type rocky situation, to say the least. I would say that now things are uh, much, much better and looking up. And um, so I don't know whether um, whether um, the merger brought uh, uh, any special benefits, you know, but, but the fact of the matter is that now Random House is even bigger than it ever was uh, before and uh, able to compete and it's leaner and hopefully meaner and
0: um, more profitable. Uh, we're at a point where there's very dramatic changes taking place in the publishing industry. Mm-hmm. The rise of digital books, mm-hmm. uh, the shift from physical bookstores to Amazon, uh, massive increase in uh, self-published books, books not published through traditional publishers. Is all of this going to change the role of the publisher, of the traditional publisher, what will it affect them?
2: No, I don't think so. I, 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 will, I will have to tell you that um, when I um, stepped down as CEO of, uh, of Random House in 19, second half of 98, uh, even though I continued with Random House, Microsoft asked me to become the uh, chairman of the International Ebook Foundation, so I got very involved with the uh, with ebooks, and uh, I I felt at the time that uh, ebooks uh, were uh, going to be the savior of uh, publishing, which was not uh, known as a very highly profitable undertaking, and so. Um, So I got very involved with uh, with e-books, and I was expecting them to to come, you know, to be used by the general public, you know, a hell of a lot faster than they did. But in the meantime, uh, Microsoft uh, um, um, lost somewhat interest and was not able to develop a tablet, a reader, you know, that was state of the art, and that was easy to use, and uh, um, and, and they they didn't even uh, have in mind what uh, what uh, Amazon eventually produced with uh, Kindle, and so uh, the foundation was disbanded after a couple of years, you know, and nothing happened until really, let's say uh, two years ago, when. Um, Obviously we had this big crisis you know publishing got itself into terrible troubles and um, and uh, publishers frantically were looking at uh, um, an alternative to to how you present the product of uh, the intellect okay and um, at the same time Amazon came up with a Kindle and frankly, the rest is history. You know, now we have the iPad and we're going to have many more iPad like devices and so on and so forth. But to go back to your question about um, uh, what's going to be changing, a, lot, a lot's going to be changing, okay, but, but I think for the, for the better. I think that uh, the digital technology has brought to publishers the ability to uh, really develop into a new business. And that doesn't mean that the book business will disappear. The book business, I mean paper, you know, uh, will disappear. Actually, I think the um, paper books will be with us for a very long time to come. You know, I mean, really very long time to come, and if not forever, uh, except that they're going to evolve into a much more precious uh, uh, product, you know, b- better printed, better bound, better uh, produced, you know, better marketed, maybe even. At much higher prices, while e-books uh, will uh, turn out to be the equivalent—not the same thing, but the equivalent of the paperbacks of the past. It's interesting, and uh, so I believe that the digital technology, yes, will uh, allow a lot of um, individual authors, you know, to uh, self-publish, you know, because you know, e- even today, you know, the mobs in in Cairo are self-publishing by putting their information on Twitter, you know, I mean, it's, uh, that's the power of the digital technology and of the internet. But still, I think that the role of the publisher will continue as strong as before, because you still have to figure out which book you want to publish, and how do you want to publish it. Uh, there are obvious synergies between paper and digital, and um, we're still at the dawn of digital because all we do today is to take a page uh, from a piece of paper, you know, and you put it on a, on a screen, you know. Well, it's interesting, you know, but it doesn't take a rocket scientist to do that, okay? But you may say to me, well, why wasn't it done before? Well, that's another story. But and anyhow, this is what we do But today. But we have tremendous possibilities with uh, digital technologies to experiment in marketing you know when when you publish a hardcover book you know you slap a price on it and you're stuck it's out in the field and uh, what are you going to do if it sells fine if it doesn't sell you get it all back with digital technology you know uh, you can put a price of 9.99 you know but if the book doesn't sell and you've convinced that you have a good book you know maybe um you misjudge the audience you know and you can reduce the price to 699 or 799 or 599 no one will know because the individual who who buys the book from you at 499 599 699 knows that book when it comes across that book you know it's not splashed all over the world you, you see what I'm saying sure. so the ability to experiment and to evolve your marketing uh, techniques, you know, is something that uh, publishers still have to come to grips with. And um, so that's, um, that's one, one consideration. The other consideration is that you take, for instance, the book uh, of George Bush. You know, it's been on the bestseller list for eight, nine, ten weeks, whatever. And the critics of George Bush should think it, think twice about being so critic, because, you know, if there are people who buy these books in the millions of copies, you know, there's got to be something to it. You, you, you know what I mean? I'm not going to say what, but there's going to be something to it. But the interesting thing is that they sold a huge number of e-books. Now, if you buy the e-book, you get lots of pictures which are extremely interesting, that are enhancing the book and your reading experience. Because if you read about a story and you see a picture, you know, that fits at that point of the story, you know, it, it makes your reading more interesting, more more alive, more, more close to reality, you see. So what I'm trying to say to you is that... Um, uh, the possibilities in e-books are infinite to enhance e-books, and to me- maybe to charge a certain amount for the plain books, you know. But if you enhance the book, you can add to the price of that you charge the customer, and the customer is willing to pay for it if you're uh, realistic about it. So the potential of digital technology in publishing of books, but for that matter also of magazines and newspapers, you know, uh, presents opportunities that were never available before.
0: Do you think bookstores will survive?
2: Absolutely. Uh, however, uh, they're going to undergo uh, major changes. For instance, I believe that all the superstores—I don't know when, but three, five years from now, 70% of the stores will, will be dedicated to other products. And if you talk to people in that business, they're not going to give you a hell of an argument on that. You know, maybe not officially, but... Um, and it makes sense because you have, you know, you you have the universe that is... Digitally, digitalized now, you know, and and with the advent of Google and you know, it's uh, it's very interesting. You know, you don't need these huge stores anymore.
0: Do you think Borders will make it the three to five years?
2: No. They are going to go into bankruptcy uh, anytime soon. I mean, this is in every paper. Sure.
0: What do you think? If I could ask one or two more questions. What do you think are the biggest differences between Barnes & Noble, which seems to be doing reasonably well, and Borders, which is about to go into bankruptcy? Why well, has one uh, survived and the other failed?
2: Well, first of all, Borders has always been second to Barnes and & Noble and weaker than Barnes and & Noble. And um, when you look at Barnes & Noble, you know, the the management of Barnes & Noble has been uh, very unified and very savvy and very. Uh, talented, you know, and uh, has evolved, you know, but has evolved uh, as you evolve any types of management uh, over the years, okay, under the leadership of Len Riggio, who's really an extraordinary person. Um, When you look at borders, I'm going to venture a number here, but it's probably change management 10 times in the last 15 years. Now, I know what it means to change management. You know, it's an upheaval, you know, all the time. And so that didn't help Borders. Uh, Borders never had a real personality, a real, you know, uh, a real uh, uh, um, image, you know, as uh, um,
0: Banzanova always had. Will uh, the absence of major bookstores, or the fact that, that a large proportion of the bookstores' selling space is now to other products, affect the ability of publishers to reach readers? To reach to reach readers? If if you can't well, find the book in the bookstore, and you can't look at it, how are you going to convince? How are you going to make a reader aware of the book?
2: First of all, you have to realize that the readers today are a hell of a lot more sophisticated than they were. If they don't find a book at Barnes & Noble, they go home, they go online, and order it from Amazon in two minutes flat.
0: But how are you going to make them want to find the book? How are you going to make them aware of the book? Well, first of all, there is purchase? such
2: thing as PR, okay? Um, uh, first of all, you have to bring people into the bookstores. Then you have to show them the books when you, they are in the bookstores, okay? So if someone comes into a bookstore to look for a book and the book is not there, you go online. Okay, I went with my eight-year-old grandson, you know, to a bookstore to look for a certain book. It wasn't there, you know. We went home, and the next day he had it at home in California. You know, I mean, uh, from from Amazon. So, I do believe that uh, um, publishers uh, will have a um, uh, an ability. Actually, will have an enhanced ability to inform the reading public about what's coming out. Uh, There is no publishing house, small or large, who doesn't have a mailing list, an emailing list, you know, where they more or less effectively, you know, tell you what they have coming. And everybody's online now. Everybody, even the grandmothers are online. And I don't want to discriminate on the grandmothers, so the grandfathers are online, you know? And so, so the access of uh, to the information is um, tremendously enhanced but remember that the the publishing model will change and the product will change and the the price of hardcover books that are now still despite all the crisis and the, the this and that Twenty-seven ninety five, twenty-six ninety-five, which I find ridiculous, you know, because they cannot possibly make end meet with with those prices, you know, are gonna grow to 3695, $46.95, but the reader will have a much better much better product.
0: To how purchase. how will it be better?
2: Better paper, better type, better bindings you know and uh, and so you 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 have a book to cherish also keep in mind that uh, as more people buy books where you're going to put your books if you're a real reader you probably for every book you read you have purchased 10 books that are waiting for you to have the time to read but in the meantime 10 other books are come you you know what i'm trying to say here so um, so I think that uh, people will use the book more of a uh, more, uh, the, the, the hardcover book more selectively. The publishers will have to become infinitely better at resupplying the bookstores overnight. Um, hard to beat Amazon on that because I just read the other day that they are opening up the 52nd warehouse. Now, even for the United States of America, you know, you place 57, 50, 52 warehouses across the United States in strategic position, and you have a hell of a coverage. You probably cover 95% of the country. Okay, So, but individual publishers cannot do that, but they will have to find a way to do it because uh, they cannot afford on these expensive books to have huge print runs with 40% returns. So they're going to have to be able to tell the bookseller, you know, well, you're out of this book, you'll get it tomorrow. And the bookseller will tell the the customer, you have nothing to worry, I'll get it tomorrow, and I'll send it to you home, Uh, you'll get it the next day. So, I mean, I'm not suggesting that this is the formula, but those are the types of things that we'll have to change, which will bring efficiencies and profitability to booksellers, to publishers, and service to
1: Do you see a role for the independent bookstore in this environment? Yes Yes.
2: how how
1: will that change or evolve
2: that I don't know but for instance, there is a um, There is a program now uh, With Google that I cannot describe to you, but you can go find out online that will pair up independent booksellers and Google and so the independent bookseller, you know, is a bookseller that has a constituency that can advise you on what to buy, what not to buy, you know. And maybe if, um, if while you are in the bookstore, you, you, you say, well, I really want this book, you know, but, I, but you don't have it, they can together go on a, on a, on a computer, you know, and order it with the, with the address of the customer. And maybe by doing that, they are acting as a service point, and they may get a commission. They may get some kind of fee, you know. So, I mean, th- there's, there's a lot of things that will have to change.
1: How, how was digital publishing going to change the relationship between publishers and authors? Uh, which publishers do you think will be the most successful in attracting the best authors?
2: The publishers who are gonna do the best job in, uh, uh, working with the author, helping the author um, edit, uh, uh, effectively, the book of the author, and then publish and distribute the, the book in all formats, you know, in the most effective way. So it's uh, nothing really will change from the past, except that the type of job that the publishers will, will have to do is more complex and more dynamic and um probably more effective for the author
1: in the digital world uh global distribution becomes possible. How do you see the future of copyright being
2: affected by that's that? a that's the question I was hoping you wouldn't ask <laughs> uh, but um but no, I mean uh, copyright will have to change uh, to some extent to some extent um, someone in tashkent uh, should be able to buy a book from uh, anybody you know without uh, uh, any uh, restrictions you know due to copyright and with um, again digital technology which is really computers you can do marvels, you know, so you could uh, get someone to buy a book from, in Tashkent from uh, Amazon in London rather than, than New York, you know, and the author can get uh, um, his royalty, you know, uh, from Tashkent, you know, and the publisher in Tashkent should be able to get his cut, you know, in, on, on a digital book. Um, assuming that the book is in English,
0: why should the publisher in Tashkent get a cut? If well, it depends
2: uh, it, it, because the publisher in the publisher of that book in Tashkent has bought the rights. I assume that he has bought the rights, you know, and and so if you buy one of his books from Amazon in New York, you know, he should get what's due to him, you know. It's a complex uh, 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 paradigm here, but, but it's something that c- can be solved. It's not gonna be solved in the next uh, two, three years, but it will be solved over the next five to 10 years. But if we
0: think just about the English-speaking market globally, yes. will territorial rights survive? Is there any reason you can't publish a book in English in New York and have it downloaded from, say, Amazon servers onto Kindles all over the world?
2: Um, for as long as um, there is a copyright issue, it's going to be a problem. But eventually, I would say, that a publisher... Look, um, one thing is what is legitimate and what thing is what's illegitimate, okay? Things happen become illegitimate when you put obstacles to the legitimate things, if you know what I'm trying to say. So if we anticipate, and you're absolutely right, I uh, agree with you that uh, anybody in the world should be able to download the book from uh, the publisher or from Amazon or from whoever it is, uh, Google or whoever whoever it is. But you have to also uh, in a way protect the publishers, in England, in Australia, in New Zealand, in South Africa, you know, I'm talking English now, you know. Canada, you know. And um, how do we do that, you know? Uh, it's um, gonna be something rather arduous, but, but but it's gonna have to be done. It's gonna have to be done. Because if, we, if the publishers don't do it, those books will find a way anyhow. Like they do on paper, because through not so uh, official uh, ways. You know. can,
0: can I push that one step further? Let me just, and I hope sure. not confrontationally, sure. why is there a reason to protect the publisher in Australia or New Zealand uh, or Tusk, Kent?
2: It, Excuse me, how is the publisher going to live? Out of thin air?
0: Yeah, no, I understand. But, End but, of the story. But the, I qu- mean, the question is in a digital world where yeah. books can be sold globally, is there a role for national publishers uh, when the, people are gonna be publishing books? There, the,
2: the, the, there, is a, there is a role because you know, these national publishers are also publishing books. Sure, I
0: understand.
2: You know, and, and so there are books, I mean, even in digital format. And those books can be distributed by Amazon in New York or in London, you know, and so that publisher has to be protected. So when, when this publisher publishes your book, you American, your book, okay, in Australia, you know, and there is an Australian who decides instead of going to the publisher and give him the $3 or the $9, you know, go and get it from uh, Amazon because it's $7, you know, uh, <laughs> something's going to have to
0: be taken sure. care of. I you know, I mean, what's fair is fair. In, in the ebook world, Is there a reason that the publisher, if they're not publishing paper, if they're just publishing electronic books, shouldn't have global rights to the book and be able to market it globally? And in those instances, is there a a reason to protect publishers in other countries? If you're not publishing- In
2: that utopical situation, uh, obviously not. But that's utopia. That's utopia. First of all, because uh, paper books are gonna be with us for. As far as I can see, I cannot tell you what's going to happen 50 years from now, you know. But I believe that the book as an object will continue probably forever. But the digital book will change, guys, you know, many, many times because of what the technology allows you to do with the book. It's only of uh, maybe two, three weeks ago that Amazon is publishing these two ninety nine or one ninety nine books, singles. which are a bridge books or or, or, or singles. Uh, singles, Amazon singles, you know. Yeah. Amazon singles, you know. Well, that's a major uh, development, right. you know. And wh- whatever anybody innovates, it will be taken a step further by the establishment, which is always what happens. I don't know if I answered your question. You certainly
0: did, thank
1: you.
2: Uh, If you could relive your career, what would you do differently? I thought about that a lot of times, a lot of times. Um, I don't know what I would be doing differently because of the nature of publishing, you know. With publishing, you're dealing with the the, the product of the intellect of an individual, and um, and that product will always exist in the future as it existed it existed in the past. Okay, and so I think that how you handle that product and you optimize its distribution to whoever may be interested in it. OK. That's the name of the game, and that's what will distinguish a good publisher from a less good publisher. What I would be doing different, I really don't know. Because what I had to confront myself with in the 80s and the 90s, today is different because the, the everything is different. Society is different, technology is different, distribution is different. So I really don't know what I would be doing differently. But I know one thing for sure, that I would devote an inordinate amount of energy to the digital aspect of the business, whether it is distribution, or it is, how does the book look, quote-unquote, you know? Um, what can we do with the book? Um, you know, if you, if you have a book on uh, Provence or Tuscany, you know, to have a little video clip here and there, you know, at the right time, you know, that enriches the book dramatically. Uh, if you have a romance book and you put a little music in the background, you know you may you may I don't know you know because you have to experiment with the po- so the 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 iterations are infinite with digital technology, and I would certainly this is not doing something different. It's doing something today that could not be done before, you know. And I would put probably uh, uh, sixty, seventy percent of my energies, you know, into the digital area, and uh, forty, thirty, forty percent into the traditional areas. And the traditional areas and the and the new areas, you know, uh, uh, what, the common denominator is, is what you produce as an author. Okay. Then, what do we do with what you produce? And I would also put a lot of energy in um, working with authors, not as a pure editor, but also as a producer. And that's why I would want to see my editors being 50% editors and 50% producers. What does that imply, being producers? It implies that I can sit down with you and I say, why don't we do this, and why don't we do that, and why don't we uh, uh, develop this idea, you know? Uh, why don't we market the book instead of in its entirety in chapters or, or whatever, you know? So it, it, it allows you to um, do something different with the product of your intellect before you had only one way. You read the book, you stick it in the middle of two covers, you know, and it's 350 pages, and you ship it out there and you hope it sells. Now you can do a lot more. Right. Over the course of your career, what would you say is the biggest leadership challenge you ever faced?
1: And how did you deal with it? And what did you learn from it?
2: The biggest leadership challenge in my publishing career, but I would say also in all the other businesses I've been in, uh, is to deal with people, to respect people, to um, let them open up, never shut them down, allow them to criticize I had a condition, though, on that, you know, which is you can criticize, but then you have to tell me what you would do in my place. I may agree with it or not, but that's not the issue. But you cannot criticize just for the sake of criticizing, you know. And so I would say that uh, the ability to communicate and work with people is probably the biggest challenge that you have in publishing, but for that matter in every other business.
1: And one last question, how do you define success?
2: It's, um, it's not an easy definition, but what I would uh, say to you, it's a combination of events. Um, number one, if the level of satisfaction you derive. So if you're very satisfied, in all likelihood, you're very successful, Um, Second is the qualitative aspects of success, You can publish, for instance, I can tell you there is an Italian publisher called Adelphi, which publishes absolutely first-rate quality books. I could say the same thing about Knopf and about many other publishers, Strauss, you know, many other publishers. So the quality of what you produce, regardless of its uh, commercial uh, success, you know, is, um, goes as a major, one of three major components of success. And finally, you know, to be in business, you've got to make money. This idea that publishers should not make money or that the internet, what you do on the internet, has to be for free, is utter nonsense. Okay, you have to make money, and the more money you make legitimately, the more you can reinvest in the business and the more you can be hopefully
0: successful.